You may be seated. If you would turn in your Bibles to uh, Genesis 16. Found on page 13. Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked at me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power to do as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from, and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone, everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well she called Ber Ro. it lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Can you imagine being 86 and having a new baby? Wow. A few years ago, Arlo and I went to uh, go pick up our, our daughter who was in Austria spending a, a semester there in, as part of her schooling. After we picked her up, we uh, drove a little bit through Germany on our way to Holland, and, and that's where we, we flew home from. Well, I remember when we were uh, driving through Germany, um, we had a, a bed and breakfast that we planned to stop at. And it was only a short distance away, so um, Arla punched it into the GPS of the, the car, and it told us how to get there, what roads to take, and so that's what we did. Unknowingly, though, that little uh, GPS unit gave us the most direct route to get to the bed and breakfast, not necessarily the safest route or 
the best one. So anyways, we started on this uh, blacktop road. Pretty soon it turned to a stone road. We thought maybe it was just stone because it was in between some roads. We didn't quite know. And we were about an hour into our drive already, so we didn't really want to turn around. Pretty soon the stone road ended and it turned into a dirt road. And we went through some of the most beautiful country you ever saw. Old growth forest. I think it was the black forest. Um, rolling farmland, just beautiful. The astonished looks on these farmers' faces as they saw this little red car go by them, you know, with these tourists in it. Um, I'm sure it was something for them that they still talk about. Well, anyways, we had to be at this bed and breakfast at a certain time, and, well, there was no, uh, we couldn't use our uh, our cell phones. They, they, they didn't reach anything, and so uh, we ended up getting there late, and so... The bed and breakfast had a policy of locking their doors, so um, even though we had plans to stay there, we couldn't, so we ended up going down the street and staying in this other little motel. But sometimes shortcuts aren't the best. What should have been a two-hour trip ended up being a five-hour trip. It was beautiful, like I say, but that's really not what we needed on that on that day. Last week we looked at Abram and Sarai, and the promise God made to Abram that he didn't need to fear. Why? Because God would be their shield and He would be, the, be their treasure. Their, their, their very treasure. Their great reward. I mean, that's, that's an amazing thing that God says that to us. What, did, what had they done to deserve that? Nothing. Again, that's God's amazing grace. God even showed Abram the stars in the sky and promised him, this is how your offspring will be. And to show Abram these weren't empty words, you might remember from last time, we, um, God made a covenant with, with Abram, and he had Abram cut these animals in half, and, and God went through the halves of the, of the animals as a, a flaming torch or a, or a flaming pot. Only God could go through those halves of the animals because only God could keep His promise. There's no way that Abraham, Abram could. And uh, by, by doing that, God was saying, may this happen to me if ever I break my covenant with you. What's been done to these animals, may that be done to me. And this covenant was a foreshadowing of the one Jesus would one day make with us when He passed through the darkness of of Calvary as our Redeemer and Savior. You know, it took over 2,000 years to prepare the world for the coming of, of Jesus. The Bible says it was the fullness of time. There was no shortcuts. God needed all that time to set this up so that it would just be perfect for when Christ came, and so then the Word could spread to the ends of the earth. We like shortcuts. Sometimes we don't like to wait. I know I don't. I'm a, I'm a very imp- impatient person. When I set my mind on doing something, I, I, I want to do it. God doesn't need shortcuts because His plan is perfect. 
And we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to submit to His will for our lives? Do we trust His love? You know, sometimes the, the, the road the Lord wants us to take, it's not the quickest and it's not the easiest. We say in our minds, but if I, I just do this, it'd be so much simpler, it'd be so much easier, but that's not the Lord's will. And we have to ask ourselves, do we trust Him? Do we trust Him even when He goes on these detours and we don't know where He's heading or what's going to happen? Do we trust His love for us? See, because the, the opposite of this, if you don't trust the Lord, then you're going to try to work things out in your, your own, own strength. And usually when we do that, that's when things become a mess. And that's exactly what we see happening in our, our story this morning. What a mess Abram and Sarah's household became when they tried to take a shortcut instead of waiting on the Lord. The problem for Abram and Sarah was that the longer they they had to wait for Sarah to become pregnant, the more they began to doubt. It had been 10 years that they had been waiting. And they were old now. They were beyond the the age of being being able to have children. She was 75 and Abram was 85. I'm sure in Sarai's, Sarai's eyes, the, the plumbing just it didn't work anymore like it used to. But I'm sure many times during that 10 years, they went to the Lord and they said, Lord, where are you? You gave us your word. It's hard to wait upon the Lord. It was hard for them. It's hard for us. You know, God, surprisingly, never seems to be in a hurry, but yet He's never late. God's not like us. God knows exactly what needs to be done and when it needs to be done. Whereas we don't know what the future holds, and that's why we're willing to take shortcuts, even though God often has a better, well, always has a better plan when we do it His way. It's great when our, our wills are, are one, when the things we ask for are according to God's will, and, and it happens. What a, what a blessing. But there are other times when God has different ideas. And so we have to ask ourselves will we wait upon the Lord? Job wrote in the Old Testament, I go east, but he is not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north, for he is hidden. I turn to the south, but I cannot find him. You hear Job's frustration? He's basically saying, Lord, where are you? I'm calling on you. I'm waiting for you. I'm praying to you. Lord, where are you? How long will you make me wait? 
What gives us the courage to wait upon the Lord? To trust His love. Really, it comes by walking with the Lord. It's by having a relationship with Him. A relationship not like you're walking way in front of God, but God is at your side and that you're following His lead. We have a, a, a boxer and he loves to go for walks. And he loves to run out ahead, but you know what he keeps doing? He, when he gets out ahead of us, he turns around to see if we're still there. And after a while, he gets tired of being so far ahead and I guess turning around all the time that he, he stays with us as, as we walk. And that's what we've got to learn to do. Instead of getting ahead of God, we've got to walk with God. And when he tells us, let's take this path, we can trust him. Because we know that his way is always the best. Well, despite God's covenant promise to Abram and Sarah, something happened to Sarah between chapter 15 and 16. Clearly, she's tired of waiting. She thinks God may be overcommitted. Tension was good, but maybe, maybe God waited too long. She, so she takes matters into her own hands. And she devises this plan where Abram would, would have relations with uh, her uh, handmaiden. And then through her, Sarai would have a child hopefully would have a son. So that God's promise that their offspring would be like the stars in the sky, that it could be possible. But did God need any help? Well, no. This was all happening according to His plan. And, and as we read this, what, what, what a mess this home became because they became impatient. They stopped waiting on the Lord. Now, Sarai, she shares her plan with Abram. Abram should have put his foot down right there and says, no, God gave us a promise. We can take Him at His word. We can trust Him. Sarai, Sarai, we, we, we don't need to do this. But he doesn't do that. He goes along with her plan. I'm sure Sarai's motives were good. Truly, she wanted a a child. I mean, there's no mistaking that, but she wanted it to be the fulfillment of, of God's promise. It's just that it was God's promise. And she had no right to interfere unless God asked her to, to do something. She was unwilling to wait upon the Lord. And what a mess it became. Once Hagar found out that she was pregnant, she kind of held it over Sarai's, her mistress's head. Probably got an attitude. She was the favored one. What Sarai couldn't accomplish in ten years... 
Hagar was able to accomplish overnight, basically. Verse 5 says that Hagar despised Sarah. Sarah, in turn, gives Abram a hard time. Blames it on Abram. There's so much I could say right there. But poor Abram. Sometimes you just you can't win. It was his wife's idea. And in the end, it's still his fault. But he should have put his foot down. Rather than Abram taking control of the situation, he basically he just chickens out. And he says to his wife in verse 6, Behold, your servant is in your power to do with her as you please. This ain't my problem. It's your problem. Not my circus, not my monkeys. And so terrible was, was Sarai's jealousy that she treated Hagar horribly, even though she was pregnant. So bad that Hagar eventually ran away. She couldn't take it anymore. She was running back to uh, Egypt, to Shur, which uh, is right on the eastern side of, of, of Egypt. As a, as a quick note, where, where did she come from originally? Well, I mean, we know the location, but how did she become part of their lives? How did she become a, a handmaiden? And you've got to remember the story in, in chapter 12 when there was going to be a famine in the land and, and, and Abram, instead of trusting in the Lord, he became afraid. And so since he heard that there was food down in Egypt, that's where he went. He took his family. But because Sarai was such a beautiful woman, he knew that Pharaoh would kill him if she if he knew that they were married. And so when they asked about Sarai, he tells them that that's his sister. That didn't work out. God's hand was against Pharaoh. But as part of, um, before um, Pharaoh found out that, that Abram had, had, had lied, he gave him a number of gifts, including manservants and handmaidens and quite a bit as far as a Pharaoh to, to, to pay for the right to marry what he thought was Abram's sister. More than likely, that's where, that's where Hagar, how she uh, became part of uh, the family. And it's ironic when you think about it that, that Abram's lack of, of faith in God's promise, how it got him into trouble back then, yet he didn't learn his lesson, did he? Because here he is again, doing it all over again. Just as it's so hard for us, I think, sometimes to learn this lesson. Impatience and its at its essence is really unbelief. It's what we begin to feel when we start to doubt the wisdom of God's timing or his goodness or the sincerity of his his love. We begin to doubt. Or when we, it feels like God is slow to answer our prayers, 
or fix the situation that we're in that we keep bringing before His throne. Not giving us the desire of our hearts. It's, it's so easy then to look for a shortcut, isn't it? To do things our way. Instead of looking to God to lead and guide, we, we look to ourselves or we look to, look to others. I think we've all experienced it. When we act outside of God's will, when we don't ask Him, when we don't pray about things before we do them, sometimes it, it can become such a huge mess. A mess that we could have avoided if we had only trusted in the Lord. But despite the, in many ways, the poor example that we see in Abram and and Sarah in this chapter, we also find kind of a, a surprising example of someone who puts their faith in the Lord even in the most difficult of of circumstances. Verse 7, when the angel of the Lord, which was more than likely a theophany or or was Jesus in the Old Testament, appears to Hagar and says to her, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? Jesus knew exactly where she had come from and where she wanted to go. So it's, he's saying that not because he didn't know something, but he's saying that for her benefit. This wasn't God's will for her to run away like this. It was God's will for her to stay and bear that child and continue to be the handmaiden of, of Sarai even for a little bit longer. And God basically said to her, if you will obey and listen to me, my blessing is going to be upon you. Your offspring is going to be beyond count. It must have been hard for Hagar to to go back, knowing how much Sarai despised her. Probably continued to mistreat her. But because she had placed her trust in the Lord, she took a step of faith that day. She believed God and she was willing to wait upon the Lord. When her baby was born, she gave him the name Ishmael, just as was told to her by the angel of the Lord, which means God who hears me. Ishmael means God who hears me. She also calls God El Roy, which means the God who sees me, which becomes part of the name of that well as, as well. So the God who hears me and the God who sees me. Hagar learned an important lesson. And so she was willing to wait upon the Lord. And because... Normally, naming a child would be the head of the clan. It would be his responsibility that God, that Abram and Sarah go along with the plan. Tells us 
that they're finally surrendering to God's will. That once again, they're starting to trust the Lord. And I think what we see taking place between Hagar and the the Lord in this chapter, it, it, it tells us that God really does care about all people. God loves us all. Some of His children choose to walk away and go in the wrong direction. But He loves His children and He wants what's best. Clearly, the, the Lord loved Hagar and treats her with, with kindness. The angel of the Lord went on to say, that her son would be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. God had a plan for Ishmael, but it will be a future characterized by a lot of hostility. To be a wild donkey means to be constantly in conflict with all those around him. and the descendants of of Ishmael. We continue to see that that tension that still exists, even in the world today. If only Abram and Sarai, Sarai had not chosen to take this route. But they did, and we're still dealing with it to this day. All the trouble in the Middle East right now. It shouldn't surprise us. It's, this is where it goes back to. The tension between Hagar's child and the one that Sarah would, Sarah would, eventually, would eventually bear. If only they had waited upon the Lord. In his book, Sabbatical Journeys, Henry Newman, he writes this about some friends of his who apparently were trapeze artists. They were called the Flying Rodellas. They told Newman that there's a, a special relationship between flyer and catcher on the trapeze. The flyer is the one who lets go and the catcher is the one, obviously, who, who catches And so as the flyer swings above the the crowd back and forth, there comes a point where he he eventually lets go. And his job is to remain still as possible and wait for the strong hands of the catcher to pluck him from the air. One of the flying Rodellas also told Newman this, the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. He said the, the, the flyer needs to just be perfectly still with his hands out or her, her hands out and wait for the catcher to catch and grab hold of him. And then the flyer can grab hold of the hands that, that have him. But if the, the flyer tries to do this, it will be a, a miss almost every time, he said. 
I think so it is with our relationship with God. We must never try to catch the catcher, but we need to wait on the Lord. Wait in absolute trust. Wait knowing that He loves us with an everlasting love. And we need to follow His leading. We need to wait on the Lord who sees us in our distress. It's the only way to fly. It's the only way that you'll experience, experience all the blessings that God has for you. And so I ask you this morning, are, are you waiting right now in God's waiting room? Don't give in to the temptation of doubting God because it's not happening as quick as you would like, you would like it to. But trust Him. Don't give in to the temptation by looking to the world for solutions. Don't give in to the temptation of listening to the voices of the world rather than listening to God. Instead, put your trust in the Lord. We need to pray. We need to remember who's listening and who watches over us. El Roy. That's our God. May each of us be able to say with the psalmist in Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait, for the, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in His Word, I put my hope. May we all be able to say that. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, Lord, help us to have the kind of faith that we saw in Hagar, a faith, a faith that trusts You even in, in the most difficult of situations. And yet, Lord, the story is ironic because the, the, the lack of trust that we see in Abram and, and Sarai, Lord, we're still dealing with it even today. The tension that we see between Israel and the surrounding nations. But we thank You, Jesus, that You have the final say. That one day You're going to call us home and Lord, we'll be a family, the family of God. Until that day though, Lord, we pray that we might serve You. We might wait for You. And we might experience the thrill of walking with our God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and